Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Rush Limbaugh shared his comedy for years. Now you'll hear it here. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show, and it is already Wednesday, the 4th of January, 2023. And what a year we have going so far. Three votes yesterday for House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Actually, three votes were held to make him the Speaker of the House. All of them did a face plant. In fact, as the day progressed, it got even worse for him. We're going to share all of the details on that and my thoughts on it as the show progresses. But uh, but welcome to it. I'm feeling a whole lot better today. Uh, I hope that your uh, your 2023 is going well. Um, there's been a lot of uh, a, a lot of stuff going on in the news. A lot of stuff has us uh, very very um, concerned about the direction of the country. We stress out constantly. But I'm going to tell you, uh, Demar Hamlin's incident on the field has been um, uh, an amazing moment of clarity, I think, for a lot of people. And in the uh, great wasteland that is social media, it is remarkable the perhaps reawakening of prayer. It has been remarkable to watch. And even people who I would consider to be agnostic uh, really have recognized this, the power of the collective subconscious. Uh, I think it's remarkable. I think in a world where we are divided in so many ways that we have come together to back this, this man and his struggle and use the only real I guess, mode of assisting someone outside of, you know, helping them out financially, whatever. But prayer, I just think has been uh, remarkable. I really, really do. I think it's powerful. I've said it for a very long time that prayer can be as powerful as chemotherapy and radiation. Uh, I know this because I've seen it work that way. I've seen people in my life who've uh, who fought cancer. I've seen people in my life who I believe were buoyed not only mentally by prayer, spiritually by prayer, but I believe also it has impacted them physically as well. So what we do know about uh, DeMar is that right now, apparently he has suffered some lung damage, about 50% capacity on his lungs. This is not a surprise because he went through nine minutes of chest compressions. Uh, the major concern for him now is that when you are going through CBR, you only get about 30% of the blood flow that you normally would, that your heart normally provides, and this could cause issues with the brain. We don't know anything about that right now. I'm not going to debate. 
I'm not going to get into a discussion about the cause of it. There are even cardiologists online who think that they know exactly what the answer is. Cardiologists online, oh, it was a blunt force trauma. No, you don't know. Nobody knows. Nobody knows the answer to it. But at the same time, we shouldn't restrict possibilities. All right? That's why I brought up yesterday the possibility of the COVID vaccine being a part of it because of the gigantic increase in the number of young athletes, males particularly, who have suffered cardiac arrest and many, in fact, more than not, died of it after getting the COVID vaccine. And, of course, the uh, previous uh, absolute restriction of discussion of the issue by the federal government, the CDC, the DHS, the HHS, shutting down the discussion about the possibility of, uh, of an adverse effect with the COVID vaccine. All of those things add up to, hey, maybe we ought to have this discussion Have we settled on this being the actual cause of it? No. Nobody knows. End of discussion. So now we pray. All right? How does that sound? I think it sounds good. I think it sounds good. So I'm going to share with you why I think what is happening in the GOP is happening in the GOP. Why, for the first time in 100 years, a House Speaker was not elected in the first round of votes. Do you know why that is? Is that terrible? Is that awful? Oh, no, no, no. It's just the opposite of that. It's a glorious thing because for 100 years, both parties essentially have rubber stamped their leadership with regard to the houses of Congress. Just rubber stamped them. You have no say in it. You you may elect a representative. You may elect a senator, but you have no say in who leads the party. And consequently, the party becomes bulletproof. The uh, party becomes unapproachable after the election, and they run everything on their own. For instance, if you look at Hakeem Jeffries, uh, Hakeem Jeffries passed basically with no no, uh, dissent whatsoever. And the reason being is because Democrats don't care about their constituents. They don't care. They don't listen to the constituents. They have one thing in mind, and that is to drive the country as far left as possible, and I might mention fundamentally change the country by destroying it. And every Democrat, sorry, I hate to say it, every Democrat is down with that. There's no dissent. Once the Democrat Party decides who their uh, their leaders are going to be, it's done. You have no say in it. Last week, the Republican Party essentially did the same thing. As millions of people crowded uh, the switchboards of the White House or of the of the Capitol to say no to an omnibus spending bill, Congress went ahead and passed it against the will of the American people. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted the Inflation Reduction Act, which had nothing to do with inflation, by the way. Why is this happening for the first, one, first, for the first time in 100 years in the Republican Party? It's because what I told you just a few weeks ago. It's because Donald Trump changed the party forever. Donald Trump divided the party in a very, very positive way. Right now, we have about 20 members of Congress who are actually listening to their constituents and not just rubber stamping Kevin McCarthy as is. And those people like Matt Gates and others are getting hammered 
with phone calls from people saying, enough is enough, stop this now, and they're listening. They would have never listened before Donald Trump became the president of the United States. I told you that the Republican Party cannot go back to business as usual now that Donald Trump has been the president. That's just the way it's going to be. We moved away from being a, uh, a Saks Fifth Avenue party to a Walmart party. You may hate it or not, I don't care, but that's just the fact of the matter. That's what we have become. We've become a party, or at least we are moving in the direction, of a party that actually listens to the people who are most profoundly impacted by the idiocy of Washington, D.C. That's the crazy thing about it. Matt Gates and others are fighting because they are responding to an onslaught of people who are fed up with business as usual. We are also tired of the sky is falling mentality of the establishment GOP, including people like Sean Hannity and Carl Rove. We have waited two years for this moment, two years for this moment. And now Sean Hannity and Carl Rove and others are all butthurt because we might have to delay a couple of things a couple of days while we get assurances from the guy who's supposedly been chosen by the vast majority of the Republican Party. We need assurances that it won't be business as usual. And we are going to demand all sorts of Items from Kevin McCarthy, for instance, the ability for us to remove him from office if he doesn't fulfill the wishes of the people. Kevin McCarthy's going to have to, uh, he's going to have to appoint true conservatives, America First Republicans, to chairmanships, among other things. And Kevin McCarthy better rule as, or, or, or better lead the party as a conservative America first GOP House chair. Yesterday, I was very down with uh, Jim Jordan being the uh, Speaker of the House. If Jim Jordan doesn't want to be the Speaker of the House, I personally, just because I have seen Jim Jordan in action the last couple of years, I feel that maybe his contribution leading the House Judiciary Committee could be the best thing for the country. Because that's first and foremost, the tasks of that committee have to be paramount. That includes investigating the deep state Collusion with big social media, the names, mainstream media, to throw elections, to cover corruption. These have to go to the fore. This is number one on the agenda. And if Jim Jordan can do uh, his best, he can, his best efforts are there, then I say, let him do it. Because if he doesn't want to be the House Speaker, then don't make him be the House Speaker. Am I convinced about Kevin McCarthy being the House Speaker? No, I am not. We still have things to work out and if it takes a couple of days it's going to take a couple of days so uh mr hannity back the hell off boo frickin' who this is what this is what uh seeing the sausage being made is all about and it's about time we uh pulled back the curtain on the sausage factory which is maybe not the best uh you know the best uh, analogy uh or comparison to uh congress just because you know of all of the stuff they do there but anyway, um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it at 800-922-6680. There are a lot of things to get to with regard to this, including uh, including something that could give you pause. This is new from Jim Gossett about Kevin McCarthy. Would you vote for him? 
his name wasn't Kevin. If he wasn't a rhino and he could prove it. Why not vote for Jim? Jordan's better than Kevin. Yeah, but he, he doesn't want to be the speaker. Kept through the right of bone. His past he can't disown. No, he can't. He's a Paul Ryan Clove. <laughs> That's Kevin. We need accountability. That's what it's all about. Jim's went with Hakeem. Hakeem Jeffries. An election denier. He's a denier, but that's okay if you're a Democrat. He's their Marxist stream. Left as left can be. A pathological liar. That doesn't prevent people from being Democrat leaders. A process run amok. I guess it's just our luck. But we be stuck with Kevin. We will sing. We will sing. Again, we are in the process of making sausage. And I love the fact that it has taken a hundred years to get here because it means it's being effective. And the more we are being ridiculed by the left, we know, we now know we are above the target. The more that we are being ridiculed by the left for what is happening in the Republican Party and the election of a, uh, a House Speaker shows to me that we're doing the right thing and that we are placing demands on the party that they have to be responsible to. And it comes from you and me. That's it. They're finally listening. It took a hundred years to get here. Congratulate yourself. Revel in it. Uh, your calls are welcome next. James, you hold on. Mike, you as well. This is, my friends, The Rob Carson Show. To all the American haters and anthem kneelers. I think it's misguided to protest the anthem and the flag. Yeah, we're done with you. It's The Rob Carson Show. New Year with the Fox News Alert. It is day one of the 188th Congress and House Republicans. All right, I was going to play a little Sean Hannity there, but unfortunately my levels are a little low. Sean Hannity, one of the uh, the many, and I'm not meaning to make this a, an attack on Sean Hannity because you're not really like a small fish attacks big fish and all that. But uh, but honestly, I'm glad to see what is happening in the uh, GOP right now with the uh, delay of Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. And and you know what? A couple of days ain't going to make a bit of difference considering how much damage Joe Biden has done to the country in the last two years of his presidency. So if you're all freaking out because, oh, you know, they haven't gotten anything done and they can't, you know, I, I don't have time for this nonsense. I don't have, we, are, we are watching the sausage being made. And right now, Kevin McCarthy is having to justify everything in his career. And more importantly, he is having to uh, earn our trust. And he is, has to offer guarantees that he will do what we, the people, want with regard to the people's business. We're tired of business as usual. We are tired of people being anointed to leadership in the party when we send them to Washington, D.C. to make a difference and to represent us. But it seems they never do that when they get there. Isn't that the way it is? 
And then you got people, and, and like Carl Rove, and he is, uh, you know, the sky is falling, according to Carl Rove. Everything is over, according to Carl Rove. If they don't make this, oh, my God, we are a laughingstock. I don't even give a damn if we're a laughingstock. I don't give a damn if the Republican Party is a laughingstock to people like James Carville. I don't care. And you know what we ought to do instead of, instead of just sitting here and seething and, and being embarrassed by this? We need to embrace it and we need to say, this is how it's done. We don't just rubber stamp people like Hakeem Jeffries. Did you realize before the election that 70% of the American people approximately said the country was going in the wrong direction and that included 70% of Democrats? Do you suppose that was in, reflected in any way, shape, or form? Any way, shape, or form when the Democrats decided that Hakeem Jeffries should lead the minority in the Senate, or in the, in the House. Not one little bit did it. Not one little bit. But the American people are saying no to Kevin McCarthy. If we can't find an alternative who we know is an America first candidate, a Freedom Caucus supported candidate, we'll find somebody else. Or he has to make concessions. He has to put America first People in charge of committees, and he has to guarantee he will get done what the American people want done. That's what this is all about. And I personally absolutely love it. Here is uh, Carl Rove, who, by the way, I'm, I'm trying to really remember what exactly he did for the GOP when he was uh, in charge. Uh, I can't think of much because the last time I think I saw uh, the Republican Party actually effective. And I'm not talking about with Donald Trump as a president, because I think Donald Trump did what he could do, fought a lot of headwinds, got a lot of things accomplished. But I think you'd have to hearken back to uh, 1994 in the contract of America and to uh, Newt Gingrich. That was the last time that I felt we were being heard. Here's Carl Rove. Other elements of the House Republican Caucus would say, well, if they were able to give that, then we're going to come forward with our set of demands, particularly if, uh, uh, if, if they're able to get uh, somebody who agrees that they will do things like allow Freedom Caucus members to designate what committees they serve on and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. Why the hell not? There, there are going to be other demands from other groups of the House. We cannot just anoint people anymore because they've been in Washington, D.C. for a long time. Republicans, this is, a, this is an utter unmitigated disaster. Chaos. No, it is not. It is absolutely not an unmitigated disaster. What it is, it is upsetting the apple cart. And I told you that the party would change forever. It has to change forever since Donald Trump was the president. That's what this is all about. I, I hate to tell you this, as much as you'd like to think that Donald Trump is in the rearview mirror of the party, at least some of you uh, rhinos and certainly Democrats, he is not. Not one little bit. And what we're seeing right now is the fruits of that. Holding Republicans accountable. Demanding they do the people's business and not just exist in their own little ecosphere where they spend money uh, willy-nilly and disregard what the American people are feeling, what they want. That's the great thing about this. I love the fact that it took 100 years to get here, and I love the fact that it is finally happening. I've got a lot of great audio I want to share with you. Um, last night, Tucker had a uh, a couple of demands he would 
uh, expect of Kevin McCarthy. I agree with those wholeheartedly. We've got some great speeches yesterday. I'll share some of the highlights of those in your phone calls at 800-922-6680. James, you'll be up next, I promise. Mike, you as well. Calls are welcome on this uh, glorious Wednesday edition of the Rob Carson Show. Stick around. guys, it's Rob Carson. Are the Biden administration's New Year's goals of tax and spend and turn a blind eye to inflation at odds with your goals of securing your savings? When you finally had enough of the games government is playing with your savings and retirement, diversify into gold with Birch Gold. I am tired of my money being impacted by stupid decisions by leaders in Washington. For over 5,000 years, gold has withstood inflation, geopolitical turmoil, and stock market crashes. And here's the great news. You can still get it. In fact, you can own gold and silver in a tax-sheltered retirement account. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert your IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text the word ROB to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold. With over 20 years of experience converting IRAs and 401ks into precious metal IRAs, Birch Gold can help you. Protect yourself with gold today by texting ROB to the number 989898. With an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, secure your gold. Start today with the free info kit. There's no obligation to make this request. Just text ROB to 989898. What you do in your bedroom is your business. What you do to our country is ours. It's the Rob Carson Show. 188 Congress and House Republicans now are on the verge of becoming a total clown show if they're not careful. But despite the cheering and the elation from Democrats and the mob and the media, it's not a dire situation yet. No, it's not a dire situation at all, actually. And I would actually like to thank the uh, the 20 members. Listen to what they're calling the 20 members who voted against Kevin McCarthy yesterday. The Taliban 20. See, this is when you know you're on the right track, is when uh, jackweeds like Representative Don Bacon say that uh, those who oppose Kevin McCarthy are the Taliban 20. That is so uh, outrageous and absurd. It's ridiculous. By the way, just now, uh, Chip Roy recommended uh, Byron Donalds for Speaker of the House. Uh, a nice thought. A nice thought really, really amazing guy, freshman congressman. I remember having him on when he first started, has made an enormous impact already, and he is a principal conservative. Kaboom. Absolutely amazing. Uh, will he become the speaker? Eh, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm actually, I think this is great. This is the, uh, literally, if you consider this, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy and what he is having to go through right now to become the Speaker of the House, rather than the normal just rubber stamp that happens, you know, you just move up, you just move up the Republican Party, and then people elect their representatives to go to Washington, D.C. to represent themselves, and they get to Washington, D.C., uh, represent the people, I should say, and they get to Washington, D.C., and all they do is show allegiance to the party. That's what we have witnessed for 100 years. And yesterday, we saw it go down the crapper. I love it. This is technically the first 
and the biggest live streaming of a colonoscopy since Katie Couric. Remember that? Yeah, and we're seeing this in real time. Every day is a colonoscopy for Kevin McCarthy, and I freaking love it. There you go. I said it. It's about time the Republican Party, particularly rhinos, had a uh, public rectal exam about their beliefs and whether or not they will adhere to the Constitution and listen to the American people. Ka-boom. Drop the mic. I'm out of here. Have a great day. Actually, no. Let's just uh, let's just go to a phone call. James in Rockville. James, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? Well, Rob, I got to disagree with you. You are not a small fish, sir. You are a very large fish with a very large voice, and we appreciate what you do. Thank you. I have to say, I would rather us go slow and get it right than get, go fast and get it wrong. Because let's not forget, we're just a few days away from the second anniversary of Kevin McCarthy blaming Donald Trump for January the 6th using language that Liz Cheney replicated in her sham hearing. Now, let me, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, James, James, let me play that audio, then I'll come back to you, okay? This is Kevin McCarthy, January 13th of 2021. That doesn't mean the president is free from fault. The president bears responsibility for Wednesday's attack on Congress. Not one little bit. Mob rioters. He should have immediately denounced the mob when he did. He saw what was unfolding. These facts require immediate action by President Trump. Accept his share of responsibility. Quell the brewing unrest. And ensure And by the way, he was found not guilty. Uh, he was impeached for supposedly causing the insurrection. Uh, he was found not guilty. That was the second impeachment, and it was a joke. James, go right ahead, buddy. Well, I've been involved in politics and campaigns for over 30 years, and Donald Trump, what he did was he took power away from K Street, like Ronald Reagan, and he returned it to Main Street. He gave a voice to all of us, and those 20 members are patriots, and to be compared to Taliban, I mean, let's not forget the rhetoric. I mean, I'm sorry, Sean Hannity 2.0. I'm done with Sean Hannity. I'm done with all the people that are calling these people deplorable and using the language of Liz Cheney. Because, like I say, this is just so infuriating. Shutting down the government. No, we're shutting down the people that make laws that take away our freedom. So if they don't have a job for a couple of days, it's not like they were going to subpoena Hunter Biden yesterday. Yeah, Give you know it what? a couple of days. That chicken little crap only goes so far. We get enough of uh, chicken little crap from the uh, the Democrat Party. Chicken little crap with regard to COVID. Chicken little crap with regard to climate change and all exactly. of this. And the last thing we need is fear porn from people like Sean freaking Hannity, uh, who, by the way, uh, when he was uh, called by the January 6th committee, said that he never believed that the 2020 election was stolen. Uh, and sorry, uh, I still have major, major, major issues with the 2020 election. And I'm never, ever going to change my mind because I have reason, I have uh, uh, intelligence, I have life experience, and a thing called facts on my side. 
All right? Well, so, God bless you. Forget. And you know what? We have to be principled. Otherwise, it's over. And when you see people collapse like this and go, you know, and Hannity's been doing this for a very long time. I have been following politics for a very long time. I didn't become a political uh, talk show host, essentially, until about seven years ago. And this one, this job right here is my second job in talk radio as a nationally syndicated talk show host. And the reason I think that happened is because I needed life experience. I needed uh, observation. I needed wisdom. If you grow up in that, if you grow up in political punditry, then I would believe that there's a chance that you might play along with the status quo. And that sounds like what we're getting from people who've been in the business for a really long time and people who have been in politics very long time. And quite simply, Donald Trump changed it. We're never going back to the old GOP. We're never just going to absorb, absorb these, uh, these 20 people who are saying no to Kevin McCarthy, taking a principled stand against rubber stamping another Washington, D.C. swamp-dwelling insider. And I think it's glorious. And when you hear people call them the Taliban 20, that means <laughs> we are right over the target. James, thanks for the call. Let's go to Mike in Nottingham, Maryland. Hello, Mike, and welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's going on? Hi, Rob. Thanks for taking my call. Rob, I have something to say about Mark Levin and Sean Hannity. Uh, but first, I want to explain to you why President Trump came out this morning and endorsed Kevin McCarthy. Yes. The reason is President Trump holds Mark Levin in high esteem. Levin supports McCarthy. Number 45 does not know McCarthy stabbed him in the back on January 6, 2021. Also, number 45 does not know Levin is a DeSantis sycophant and a DeSantis supporter for 2024 over Trump. And I want to say something about Mark Levin and Sean Hannity. Uh, Mark Levin uh, has been dubbed the great one. He's no longer the great one to me. He praises Sean Hannity, and Sean Hannity uh, believes it's okay under certain circumstances to stop the beating heart of a 22-day-old baby. And he also, Sean Hannity also believes it's okay under certain circumstances to uh, kill a 40-day-year-old unborn baby uh, the size of a raspberry with tiny arms and tiny hey, Mike, legs. Mike, 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 we're getting off topic here. Let's let's get back to what we were talking about, which is uh, Kevin McCarthy. I, I don't. I mean, I, I appreciate well, you, well, but but I, I don't I'd care. Like about Hannity, that to me is superfluous. Uh, is is yes. that Hannity uh, is uh, has uh, serious character flaws, and I don't trust him. All right, thanks for the call, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, listen, I'm not meaning to make this uh, an attack on Sean Hannity. I'm not, I'm certainly not uh, on uh, Mark Levin. I admire both of them, particularly Mark Levin. I think he has written some incredible books. He's incredibly knowledgeable. Uh, and, and as far as Donald Trump endorsing Kevin McCarthy, to me, does that make me feel better about endorsing Kevin McCarthy? Well, of course it does. Have I endorsed Kevin McCarthy officially? No, no. You know why? Because my endorsement doesn't mean D word. All right? Right now, the only way that Kevin McCarthy would be acceptable to me is if he agrees to a whole hell of a lot of our stipulations about what he needs to do to be the leader of the Republican Party in the House. And until I get those assurances, uh, I'm still on the fence. And, and I'm loving watching this happen, by the way. Last night, uh, Tucker, well, actually, let, let's start with, uh, with, my, with my buddy, 
Greg Kelly on Newsmax. Uh, Greg is a, uh, a true conservative. Greg, like so many in the media, uh, unlike so many in the media, has never wavered as far as his conservative is concerned. His, his conservative foundation has never crumbled. We saw a lot of that happen. People we presumed were uh, conservative or at least maybe uh, neutral, like Brett Baer, until election night of 2020. Uh, we, we trusted to some degree, and then we realized that wasn't the case. Uh, Greg Kelly, I believe, is a tried and true conservative, and here is what he had to say about what happened yesterday uh, in the House of Representatives. Most Americans can't name their own congressman, let alone whoever the Speaker of the House is. Although Nancy Pelosi did make an impression, didn't she? All right, so it's going to take a couple of days maybe to figure out who the next Speaker is. And maybe, oh my God, the sky is falling. The world is going to end. The polarized caps are melting. Maybe it will be Kevin McCarthy. Let's face it, the guy is not Mr. MAGA, but Trump did endorse him, and I can live with him. I could also certainly live with Jim Jordan or Steve Scalise. Uh, they're in contention. Look, they got to figure this Jim Jordan doesn't want the job. I don't want Jim Jordan to have the job if he doesn't want the job. And what he can do as an investigator and what he can do about holding people accountable for the corruption of the deep state, I think is more valuable at this time. Stuff out, and they will. In the meantime, the fake news, ignore them. Um, but they really are trying to hammer it home that somehow this is the death knell of, well, all things Republican. They're wrong. Think about the fact that Republicans will be looking at other Republicans saying, you embarrassed us in front of the country. This is not a good look for Republicans. Oh, God. Well, the last thing we want to do is not be attractive to uh, the left in this country. I mean, we certainly don't want to embarrass ourselves in front of MSNBC. Like, who gives a rat's behind about MSNBC? It is a good look for Democrats. This could go on for days. Again, not a good look for Republicans. See, this all, whenever this happens, you realize that we're going in the right direction. Whenever this happens from the mainstream media, this cabal, these bunch of, of D-words. I mean, honestly, you know you're going in the right direction by doing something historic, and that is holding up the vote for the Speaker of the House until we get assurances that he's going to listen to the American people. Gasp, shriek, how horrible. And not a good start for them. Politically, for Republicans to just continue to look like they can't do anything right. This is inside baseball, inside the beltway, the stuff that... When have any of these people ever given Republicans or Trump or anybody any credit yeah 100 percent. why do we care what they think and they acted well you're just embarrassing yourself you really are you're just making a spectacle you're just making a spectacle of yourself no no we're showing how it's done and what we need to do is we need to turn that around the people calling us a, a laughing stock and we need to ridicule them right back we need to embrace it say this is how it's done and ridicule them right back well, you know, at least we didn't rubber stamp uh, an election denier like Hakeem Jeffries. At least we're listening to the voters. How about that? You know what? Rather to have a house divided at this point, it's not going to cause the house to collapse, by the way, but, but rather than having everybody on the same page rubber stamping someone because, because of how long they've been in the party, because they check a couple boxes, or actually opening up the doors to the sausage factory. I love this. On the way, I'm going to share a little audio from uh, Tucker Carlson. A couple of demands that he is, he's saying that we need to ask of Kevin McCarthy if, if, if 
we're going to make him the Speaker of the House. Because I'm going to tell you, uh, there's no business as, of, as usual. If, if Kevin McCarthy does become the Speaker, I would assume uh, that he hears the noise and that he is not going to govern as he would have maybe a few months ago. 800 Let's take a break. It's the Rob Carson Show. To all the Brandons out there, we salute you and say, let's go, Brandon. It's the Rob Carson Show. This is a tweet from uh, Congressman Byron Donalds uh, this morning. It's freshman congressman and uh, just, I mean, showing that he is... Uh, a true leader. Unlike the Dems who do leadership by acclamation, the GOP is having a deliberative process of what leadership looks like in the House. We know D.C. does not work. Having a deliberative discussion, it is messy at times, but in the long term, it is in the nation's best interest. So I would suggest that we embrace it and love it and uh, even hug it, name it George, if we have to, because I think it's absolutely spectacular. I really do. This is uh, Tucker Carlson last night talking about uh, who wants the job versus who doesn't want the job. Jim Jordan doesn't want the job. This is politics, and McCarthy does have strengths. It's not easy being speaker when the House is this closely divided. And in some ways, Kevin McCarthy is perfectly suited for that. He is skilled in politics, not a small thing. And critically, McCarthy is willing to spend the next two years living in hotel rooms raising money for his party ahead of a historic presidential election. And that is true. What other Republican in the House is willing to do that? Well, as of tonight, and we have checked, no one has stepped forward. So really the pivotal question is, how badly does Kevin McCarthy want this job? 20 of his colleagues have just publicly disavowed him, loudly and again and again. And he had better have gotten the message, by the way. So to win them back, McCarthy is going to have to give them something real. Not more airy promises, which he specializes in. He's going to have to give them actual concessions. Yeah, and like I have said, he has got to stop being a uh, cheesy vinyl siding salesman and become a leader who represents the American people and not the establishment in Washington, D.C. And what does this all stem from? Because Donald Trump changed the party. That's it. That's why this is happening. As much as you think that Donald Trump holds no sway anymore, that's the reason why this is happening. And it's fantastic. What is the last time that, that somebody went and looked at Washington, D.C. and said, uh, you know, uh, it took 100 years for this to happen. And they were they, they, upsetting the apple cart after 100 years was a bad thing. Changing the way Washington, D.C. does business is a bad thing. We've been begging for it for years. It's finally happening. And now we got people like Sean Hannity crying that the sky is falling. Well, if Mr. McCarthy wants to earn his position and not just step in and have it because of all the glad handing and all the backroom deals that happen in Washington, D.C., he's going to have to guarantee some things. Here are a couple of things that Tucker Carlson suggested, and I agree 1,000%. First... Release the January 6th files, not some of the January 6th files and video, all of it. And not to some phony committee that will hide them, that in fact is designed to hide them from the public, but put them online. Release them to the public directly so that the rest of us can finally know what actually happened on January 6th, 2021. It's been two years. It's long overdue. It's our right as Americans to know. 100%. What the hell are you hiding? And McCarthy could tell us. 
Second, Kevin McCarthy could put Thomas Massey of Kentucky in charge of a new Frank Church committee. This has to happen. The FBI needs to be investigated, broken apart, reinvented, and a good share of it uh, uh, swept into the dustbin of history. Designed to discover what the FBI and the intel agencies have been doing to control domestic politics in this country. They've been doing a lot. But no one in Washington wants to talk about it. This topic is effectively off limits and has been. In fact, no one's talked about it for almost 50 years. And so because no one has talked about it or stopped it, the rot has spread and democracy has withered. 100%. This is what we are demanding. How is this an embarrassment to the party that we're listening to? I'm, we, I'm not a member. <laughs> I'm not a Republican Party establishment member. But the fact that they are have to listen to us, the fact that there are 20 patriots who are listening to their constituents and saying we're not just going to rubber stamp Kevin McCarthy, we're not just going <laughs> to appoint him, anoint him. I think this is spectacular. This is Chip Roy. Uh, Chip Roy had delivered a, a tremendous address yesterday before Congress uh, with regard to uh, the Kevin McCarthy speakership. This is about the direction of the country. American people who are looking at this body and wondering why we can pass $1.7 trillion bills that are unpaid for. Yeah, and by the way, nobody wanted that to pass. Two weeks ago, nobody wanted that. Even Democrats didn't want the $1.7 trillion spending bill passed because they know what all of this spending has done to the economy. They know how it's killing them as far as inflation is concerned. They can just slide in $45 billion for Ukraine but not pay for it. $40 billion for emergency spending and not pay for it. 10% increase in defense spending. 6% increase in non-defense spending and not pay for it. And not do a thing except put language in a bill that prohibits our ability to use the money to secure the border. All right, we got to take a break. This is The Rob Carson Show. Back in a few. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. You are on the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. Unprecedented, I should say. Uh, you know, the, the uh, GLP for 100 years have just rubber-stamped the uh, House Speaker without debate. Uh, for, uh, yeah, 100 years, and, and here we're going into round number eight. Round number eight on Kevin McCarthy and uh, for the Speaker of the House and uh, Hakeem Jeffries and uh, uh, Byron Donalds. The people are saying Byron Donalds, and, uh, you know, I, I'm kind of, uh, um, I like Byron Donalds. I think, he, I think he may be a really good choice for a number of reasons. I don't want to go there with, hey, he's a black guy, uh, you know, but it, it wouldn't hurt, right? You know, wouldn't hurt, and uh, he's a conservative. And uh, and it would make all those people on the left, um, well, except for Cory Bush, who just calls him a white supremacist because they're terrified of him. Uh, you know, <laughs> uh, well, you know, why, why not? Uh, as far as Kevin McCarthy, we're round number eight here, which is basically, for lack of a better analogy, it's like um, sending back the crap sandwich to the kitchen 
and the kitchen going, you know what? Let's leave the crap on it and put some mayonnaise on it. Send that back out. See if they eat it. That, I mean, that's just a feeling I get. I, maybe, maybe. I don't know. It, it, it's a matter of trust, kids. That, that's what it is. It's a matter of trust. And uh, that anybody in the Republican Party should suddenly think that the American people should trust us. <laughs> Honestly, right? Right? Considering what you and I have been through the last couple of years of our lives, and I'm talking about Democrats, too. I mean, how much more can this go on? How much more can this go on? You've got a uh, bourgeois and a proletariat, a ruling class and a working poor. Uh, You've got a Bastille in Washington, D.C., literally uh, political prisoners there. When people wanted to, to talk out about the election in 2020, they had questions about it. Suddenly that language became verboten. Suddenly you couldn't talk about anything. The federal government said you couldn't talk about anything. And you're kind of like, well, well, why did Twitter take me down when I just wanted to talk about hydroxychloroquine? Because so many people are using hydroxychloroquine in India. It literally shut down the infection rate in Uttar Pradesh, India, the most populous region of India. Uh, and and, and uh, hydroxychloroquine shut it down. And, and in Africa, they give out hydroxychloroquine uh, annual packs to people in, in uh, kids in school and everything. Hydroxychloroquine because it stops malaria. And, and weird, through uh, COVID, uh, Africa really had the lowest rates of COVID in the entire world. Normally, Africa is the worst of the worst of the worst. They're sick of everything in uh, sub-Saharan Africa. They bear the brunt of everything, starvation, the whole deal. But they managed to beat COVID. You know, it was, somebody decided it was, uh, you couldn't talk about it. Somebody couldn't talk about January 6th. Couldn't talk about Ashley Babbitt. Ashley Babbitt was unarmed. She was crawling through windows. Why did she have to get shot like that? Why? Why? What threat did she pose? Why did Nancy Pelosi not do anything about it? Tomorrow, I hope to have the guy who uh, was fired by Nancy Pelosi, the Capitol security chief, who says he was a scapegoat. Because Nancy Pelosi had every opportunity to shut down January 6th, uh, anything from happening. But somehow, people were able to just walk up. An unarmed group of people, by and large, with the exception of uh, leftists who had infiltrated the crowd. According to Newsweek's magazine, about two years ago, they said it. Left Trump's speech, went to the Capitol, tapped out with a little hammer, a little piece of glass, reached in, unlocked the door. And then some of the doors just opened. It's weird. Just kind of open. The most secure building in the world. And an unarmed group were suddenly called a, uh, a dangerous uh, threat to our democracy. The worst attack on the Capitol since uh, 1812. Or it was like a Reichstag moment. And that's kind of what I've said since the get-go. Make it bigger than it was. Blame the other party. Blame its supporters. But even having that opinion, you couldn't say it. Could not say it. Not one little bit. And we're discovering why this is. Well, it's because, uh, and I said from the beginning, and it just this is a matter of uh, life experience, research, and common sense. These are the things that I use on my show and in my life in general. Is I said, wow, you know, the mainstream media with big tech social media and the Democrat Party are all saying that if I don't believe the vaccine will stop me from getting COVID. They all call that misinformation or disinformation. Why is that? Maybe they know that I know the truth and they're shutting us down. And guess what? 100% right. I was 100% right. And the glorious thing about uh, Elon Musk taking over Twitter 
is that we're discovering all of the things that our guts told us. We're right. We're being proven right. You cannot be demeaned anymore. You cannot be brought down anymore. You cannot be called names anymore. And now it's time to fight back. Uh, The latest documents released from Twitter details how the company was pushed uh, into the arms of the FBI following pressures from Democrats. Yeah. Journalist Matt Taibbi broke down the stress uh, the company was under in 2017 following calls from the Democrats for social media companies to crack down on Russian disinformation. Now, we know that the FBI and their chief legal counsel was instrumental in creating a Russia collusion hoax to attempt to throw the 2016 election, it didn't work. But what the FBI was able to do is work with the DNC and Hillary Clinton to surveil Donald Trump using the FISA court with a bogus dossier paid for by the FBI. And the FBI even was going to pay Christopher Steele to verify the elements of the dossier, including... uh, Uh, Donald Trump supposedly have a penchant for hiring prostitutes to pee on a bed that Michelle Obama and Barack Obama used to sleep in when they stayed overseas at a hotel. I don't know what hotel. When I heard that, I was like, okay, sure, whatever. Your germaphobe wants somebody to pee on it. Okay, sure. You bet. You bet. But uh, Christopher Seale said, no, I can't. um, mm, No. mm, No, I can't. I can't confirm it, so we can't use it. But they used it anyway, and they surveilled the presidency the transition team and his candidacy to to fish to find anything they could they could uh, create some sort of scandal and they did and, and the FBI paid 40 million dollars for an investigation that turned up nothing and and then the the same guy who was at the FBI went to Twitter to shut down the Hunter Biden laptop story which now we all know is factual Are you listening to what I'm saying here? None of this is in dispute here. And if you think you're cool with all of this, you're ungodly corrupt. There's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. You are such a political tool that you are down with the abuse. I mean, abuse, jailing, destruction, shutdown of a freedom of speech of an entire group of people. I never said that about about uh, the left. Uh, in fact, I would encourage, I love it when leftists uh, are on Twitter. That way I can just debate them and destroy them. You know, I've never wanted people to be shut down. But that's what they did for us, man. This is Tucker Carlson covering it uh, last night with uh, Matt Taibbi. What, uh, and anytime you heard Russian disinformation in the last couple of years, now we know it was created by the Democrat Party, by the deep state, and big social media. The Clinton campaign claimed that Russia did it. The Russians hacked the servers. Remember that? Now, you may have believed it or not, but intel agencies in this country must have known at the time that it was not true. They would know. But they said nothing. And they said nothing because blaming Russia turned out to be a very useful political tool. In fact, before long, it became the default response to every perceived disaster in Washington. Hillary lost. Why Russia? Donald Trump can't be president. Why Russia? Remember that? Do you remember that? I was like, where the hell did this come from? Russia, really? I think we ought to be concerned about China because they, you know, created that virus that killed so many people. Oh, you couldn't say that either. Hunter Biden's laptop is here. Russian. Audit aids Ukraine. Can't. Russia. And so on and so on. So over time, probably inevitably, the inflated threat of Russia 
became a pretext for everything bad. Because when you say Russia, it ends the discussion. When you say misinformation or disinformation, it shuts down the discussion. It says that what you are saying is untrue according to the government, and therefore it must be shut down. Including censorship in this country. It's Russian disinformation. Yep. Shut it down. Yep. Thanks to new reporting from Matt Taibbi, who has spent weeks sifting through previously secret Twitter files, we know the federal government's intelligence and law enforcement agencies enthusiastically joined the effort to censor the political speech of American citizens. And they needed a reason to do it. And so they came up with Russian disinformation. Illegally. It was a sophisticated effort. At one point, for example, the State Department released a report falsely claiming that thousands of Twitter accounts were controlled by foreign governments. Russia! And then, unnamed sources in the intel world leaked scary headlines about Russian disinformation running rampant on Twitter. Twitter deleted data potentially crucial to the Russia probes, screamed Politico, ever obedient to the intel agency. Yeah, here's an interesting thing. As the pandemic began to ramp up, something called the Global Engagement Center, a subdivision of the State Department, brought forward a report called Russian Disinformation Apparatus, taking advantage of coronavirus concerns. The GEC was gunning to flag any accounts that referred to lab leaks or suspicions about the CIA as Russian disinformation. It indicated that the State Department was looking to pressure social media into shaping the COVID message even from the beginning days, but it didn't stop there. They flagged accounts that were even simply retweeting disinformation after Twitter banned Zero Hedge for speculating about the lab leak origin, which, and that's where it came from. I can say that now, because uh, you know the second, uh, the, the, the First Amendment. State Department also flagged his accounts that were tweeting about the suspension, uh, claiming those accounts were helping to expand false narratives. So you couldn't even say, why, why did they ban... Uh, the Zero Hedge for speculating about the lab leak. Oh, okay, now I just got banned for supporting a Zero Hedge. This is classic Stalin-esque stuff. That's what disinformation comes from, guys. It is Russian. Joseph Stalin came up with it. Twitter leadership deeply concerned about the number of government agencies seeking to coordinate with uh, this Joel Roth flagging accounts. Twitter analysts were uh, clearly overwhelmed by the volume of requests. Things were spinning out of control. The GEC was very obviously trying to become a de facto content moderator. The GEC was hell-bent on tying any COVID dissent to Russian and Chinese disinformation, mostly Russian dissent. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Um, here is a, a little bit more from uh, Tucker about this, and then, and then we'll hear from Matt Taibbi, because this is pretty uh, impressive stuff. So it was a manufactured panic about Russia. Yeah. But on the basis of that manufactured panic, lawmakers in Washington demanded more censorship. Mm -hmm. The issue is not that the companies before us today are taking too many posts down. The issue is that they're leaving too many dangerous posts up. In fact, they're amplifying harmful content so that it spreads like wildfire and tortures our democracy. Not long after that tape was shot, in November of 2020, Congressman Adam Schiff of California, who was then the chairman of the House Intelligence Committee, demanded that Twitter censor any discussion about the House Intelligence Committee. Oh. Quote, suppress any and all search results about committee staff, a Schiff aide demanded of Twitter. Schiff was particularly furious that a journalist called Paul Sperry had reported on Schiff's connection to the CIA whistleblower behind Donald Trump's impeachment. So Schiff demanded that Twitter censor Sperry. Quote, suspend the many accounts, including Paul Sperry, commanded Schiff's office. 
government officials cannot suppress speech. And then the uh, Twitter had 80 FBI agents working there. Uh, Twitter paid $3.4 million for that effort, and Facebook had 120 FBI agents working for them. Yeah, welcome to the Soviet Union. I've got some uh, great audio from Matt Taibbi to put this in perspective. And sometimes this can be a little bit uh, difficult to to uh, digest. I get it. But this is everything I have said for the last two years. And I just used my research and common sense. And now we know it's true. Thank God that we know this now. This year, 2023, could be the most revolutionary since, uh, I don't know, 1776. This is the Rob Carson Show. Joe Biden's first year in office summed up in three words. Welcome back, Carter. That's not right. It's not fair to us. And honestly, it's not fair to the world. It's the Rob Carson Show. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, Mike Howell. He's the director of the Heron's Foundation Oversight Project and former DHS counsel. I know that sounds very uh, convoluted and all that. We're just talking about the border with somebody who knows a lot about the border. How about that? <laughs> we know the border is wide open. We know we're being lied about that. We know we're being lied about everything. We know that for a while there, everything was Russian disinformation. I was like, really? Why is it? Why did Russian disinformation? I mean, honestly, what Russia is it disinformation that they're guiding? It? That's why we're shutting down speech about everything is because of Russian disinformation. And and remember uh, the reason why uh, inflation was so high? It was Putin Putin's uh, price hike, right? It was Putin's uh, price hike. And uh, when the gas price started to go down, uh, why wasn't that Putin's fault? I don't know. This kind of weird. I just don't like being played. And that's what we've been done. We've been played. And, and the uh, there were people in the Washington, D.C. who have uh, abused in, in ways we could have ever imagined, only imagined how a country that had the First Amendment could allow this to happen. It's so sickening. And people need to go to jail for the rest of their freaking lives over it. Uh, I, honestly, I absolutely believe this. This wasn't about flagging misinformation accounts or about national security issues. Agencies began requesting. Twitter ban or scrub accounts that certain government employees just didn't care for. That's what they did. They got in touch with uh, with Twitter and they realized, hey, hey, we might have some like-minded people over here. Uh, let's keep pushing. Let's let's keep pushing this. And they went for it. Uh, the reason why we know this is the latest uh, round of Twittergate files, which covered by Matt Taibbi, who has poured over thousands of pages of documents. And here he is talking about Russian disinformation and how the United States government used the made-up, the completely made-up concept of Russian disinformation to quiet speech, to label your opinion or anything dis disagreed with the government line, even if it was untrue as misinformation or disinformation. Tens of thousands of emails over the course of these weeks that the government was in the censorship business in a huge way. Uh, that's, I think, provable now. Uh, and not just one agency, really every conceivable wing of the enforcement uh, agencies of the U.S. government DHH, HHS, CDC, uh, I can go on and on. They, they created a department called the, the Department of uh, Disinformation Department in the DHS. They just thought they'd swing that bias without us even noticing it. And we raised holy hell because it's unconstitutional and un unholy. But they went ahead with it anyway. They're still continuing to do it. Or in some way or another, sending moderation requests to Twitter. And in many cases, those requests were being fulfilled. And they were coming from everywhere, from every place, from the NSA to the yep. HHS. 
us yep. to FBI, DHS. Uh, and That's all illegal. Even what they call other government agencies, which I think is code for the CIA. So we have yes, reports from all over, from states, from police departments, everywhere. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, and, and that's... You knew it, I knew it, when I said mainstream media, big social media, Democrat Party, all say something you believe is misinformation, it means you know the truth. Eileen in Santa Cruz has been holding for a while. Eileen, welcome to the show. Your thoughts, please. Hey, hi. Um, I brought the Happy New Year to you. You too. Uh, uh, thanks for taking my call. So so uh, I'm so glad that you are still being heard on KSCO radio in Santa Cruz with yes. the changes that they've been through. I'm so glad that you're still on. And um, I, I wanted to ask you, you may have covered it in the first hour. I missed it. But um, w- what do you think about this Supreme Court hearing uh, tomorrow? Oh, with regard to January the 6th? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, You know, I, I haven't had a chance to delve into it as much as I would like to. I had really planned on getting into it at length tomorrow. Um, okay. You know, I'm hoping that the truth will come out. It's very clear what January the 6th was all about. I've said it from the very beginning. I've been told by dozens of people, don't say it, don't say it, Rob. Don't say Reichstag. Don't say Reichstag, Rob. Don't say it. You can't have an opinion <laughs> on that, Rob. When it's fairly obvious, Eileen. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, did you notice the the building on fire and people leaping to their deaths like nine eleven? Did you notice that? Y- yes, I yeah yeah. Somehow were, I missed that. Yeah, so did I. Yeah, did you miss that the building was reopened like two hours later and there was no damage at all to it really at all? Did you notice that? Well, Pelosi have it filmed? Didn't she have a film crew? She had a film crew there to cover her, yeah, to make it act like she was in control of everything. It's kind of weird, kind of like an HBO-style production. It just happened was, to happen, yeah. That was just a happy coincidence. So, so Rob, uh, this January 6th uh, a planning oh. event in Philadelphia. Eileen, we got to run. I'm sorry to do this for you. Uh, to you, I should say. Let's continue the conversation tomorrow, okay? Let's hey. do that. All right. Got to run. Got to run. I'm sorry. I hate these hard breaks. Gosh darn it. Mike Howell, director of the Heritage Foundation Oversight Project and former DHS counsel. Hey, he's a guy who knows a lot about the border. We're going to talk about the border. That's coming up. Opinions are easy. Entertaining? Not so much. It's the Rob Carson Show. It is the Rob Carson Show. Joe Biden is saying today that he is going to make it to the border. He's going to go to the border because he heard there might be an issue at the border. Uh, you know, um, yeah, you, you screwed it up, dude. And uh, and people, this isn't going to make any difference, honestly. Everybody knows you don't believe in the border. We're going to talk to Mike Howell about the border in just one second. But first, this from our friends Jim Gossett about our president's failed border policy. Down in the West Texas town of El Paso, Biden blew our southern border by plan. Five million people in two years. Yeah. Joe won't go down there and deal with the crisis, cause he's a dunce and a senile old man. It's about policy, kids. Open border. The border's exploding cause Biden's done nothing, taking the week off hit in Delaware. Yeah, he went on another vacation, too, yeah. People are suffering as laws are broken. Joe won't address it because he doesn't care. No, not really. Not even our borders are. 
Even the mayor who's a Democrat He's really hacked up at Joe <laughs> Who won't lift a finger He lets chaos linger giving us the finger. Six thousand a day Cross the border they go <laughs> Trump's 42 is about to expire Knowing Joe he will allow it to die Never liked it He wants illegals as Democrat voters Elections don't count Kiss your freedoms Goodbye. There you go. By the way, Jim Gossett, if you want to check out his uh, his new show, a uh, week from Saturday in Atlanta, just go to NewsmakerLine.com. I know it's kind of weird, but that's his, that's his website, NewsmakerLine.com. If you want to go see that show, it will sell out. It will sell out. So if you want a good time, uh, some politics, some not, a lot of the songs that we do here that I collaborate with him on, you will see them live in concert. How cool is that? Yeah, Mike Howell is a director of the Heritage Foundation Oversight Project and former DHS counsel. Joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. Hello, sir. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Hey, doing well. Thank you for having me. I got to tell you, I, I am just so blessed that the dear leader is going to... I might even get my votive candle out of the dear leader right below his uh, glorious photo in my office and light it because the dear leader is going to grace us with his presence at the southern border. Uh, what would be the what would be the point at this point, uh, Mike? Is he just trying to do a little CYA two years into the damage that he's created? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's absolutely it. This is going to be a carefully managed photo op. So what happens when the, you know, quote-unquote brass comes down to the border... Is Border Patrol is basically told to clean out, you know, the tents and the facilities and take them to a nice little area where there's not a lot of traffic. They'll divert, you know, illegal to other areas, and they'll do a photo op. Everything's under control, all that. But my question is, why not send the person who's in charge of the border? I thought Kamala was the, the border czar. Why are we sending Joe? <laughs> I... Uh... You know, first of all, she's she's uh, incapable of it. Second of all, they never seriously considered her. I mean, maybe slightly more serious with uh, with uh, a booty gig as uh, as the transportation secretary. But they 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 don't care about any of those things, to be quite honest. And the and the border clearly, obviously, it's about posing. Um, but let me ask you this, Mike, because this is what uh, a lot of people are debating. Originally, and we all know what this is. The Democrats tried to reshape this and say that this is about white replacement. But but the Democrats knew originally they could bring people across the border illegally, give them a uh, uh, you know some free bows, and basically ensure that they would be this uh, this underclass, this permanent underclass that would slavishly vote Democrat. That's what it was originally all about. I believe that has moved more toward a clower and Piven strategy, which is to blow up the southern border and wreck the country fundamentally. What is the point now? What do you suppose this has all been about, and what is it about now to have our border blown completely wide open? Right. I think you're absolutely right in the first part there, that the long you know, theory on open borders and mass migration, illegal or legal, by the way, is that it you know, changes the demographics of this country in a way that is politically beneficial to the left. I mean, this isn't conspiracy theory. If you go back to the origins you know, of the immigration laws that changed in the 60s, this is what the Marxists, and, you know, the, a lot of the Mexican-American Legal Defense Fund and, and types said out loud is that this is how we achieve a fundamental change of the, the U.S. country, is we basically flood it with third-world, uh, you know, migrants who will then become dependent on government and thankful for the freebies. 
and basically erode the cultural and historical cohesion of the United States. Over time, of course, it's, it's morphed and galloped along the way. Right now, I think uh, your average rank-and-file Democrat voter probably doesn't think that way. What they think is what the media is telling them, that having a border is a racist thing and there's nothing worse to be than to be a racist. And so the politics of it have confused it, but it's clear that the people at the top, uh, that's the chief political motivation of, of this all. And it's not just the United States. Look at what they're doing across the, the world. I mean, this is what the globalist organizations all preach and propose. If you look at Europe, how they fundamentally changed that continent over the course of just a few decades, that's what's happening here in America. And a lot of the money driving it are coming from the same sources. It's a, it's a massive way to usher in, you know, prioritize changes of, of the you know, hard left, which fundamentally does not believe in nation states. They think nation states are evil as part of the post-World War II order to basically debilitate any you know, nationalism from ever emerging again. They, they think if they can just you know, mix up the whole world and, and flood borders, then nations will no longer you know, have their own priorities and they'll all live harmoniously in this economic you know, utopian union to be ruled by you know, whoever. And so that's a lot of your question, but they're doing yeah. it on purpose, man. Well, the interesting thing also I, I thought it was kind of funny is that uh, what, what had happened in this last particular uh, – this. Uh, uh, last election cycle is that people are coming across the border and uh, what people don't realize is a lot of these people, particularly from uh, Mexico, Central and South America, are Catholic. So they come across the border. Uh, they are immediately confronted by a Democrat party that is down with abortion until the baby is born and uh, they also um, are uh, very anti-God and very pro-sexualization of children and uh, transgenderism and changing genders, which I believe flies in the faith of uh, the people coming from Central and South America who are pro-family and largely Catholic, if not at least Christian. And that appears to have backfired on them. So I would lean now toward the, ah, just destroy the country. That kind of end of things. Because it hasn't translated to the votes, which is what they originally wanted, right? Well, for, for some part, I agree with that. I think on the whole, what's happened in America has also happened south of the border. And that's the, you know, church-going rates plummeting. It's not a uniquely American phenomenon. We aren't seeing the, you know, religiosity and Christianity levels that are be, used to be brought over in prior immigration cycles as we're seeing now. I don't think it, it is fair to say that it's even largely church-going people that are illegally crossing the border at all. But yes, some of these policies you just laid out, the left is so freaking insane that even, you know, a politically not involved, you know, recent arrival can say like, oh my gosh, they want to do what to our kids? And so it's not working as well as they thought. Still, on balance, politics is a number game. Demographics are a number game. If you import this many million people who are dependent on government and uh, were gifted all these freebies by the left, they're on balance going to overwhelmingly tilt to the left, even yeah. if they're not getting the 100% that they hoped for. Now, you were a, a DHS counsel, so you worked with the DHS on the legal end of the, uh, you know, legally, I should say. Um, what, what did you do, and what, let me ask you this, from somebody who's familiar with the DHS, this is the same organization, it was created after 9-11, and it, it sounds like immediately started abusing its power. They created it with this Department of Disinformation. Uh, what did you see when you were working with the DHS, and, and what are they, what did, why do they exist now? other than what appears to be a mouthpiece for the government to shut down dissent. Right. So the lack of a clear and focused mission set for the Department of Homeland Security is, is really the root problem. Uh, that's why it's really the place for all the wacko experimentation and quasi-law enforcement activities of the Biden administration. 
there's a reason why you put the disinformation czar over in DHS and not in one of the hard law enforcement agencies. It's because it's such a, a dispersed and scattershot mission that you can fit these crazy activities there. It's, so it's where the abuse goes. Now, when I was at DHS, we decided that, you know what, this does have a clear mission, and it's the mission that was intended. That's to secure the border and safeguard the country. And so we started doing that, heaven forbid. And then the left, you know, went out of control. A lot of people said at that time, like, oh, my gosh, you were focusing DHS solely on protecting the country. There's so many other things we should do. And it's just crazy talk. I mean, look, one of the biggest mistakes of the Trump administration was, you know, establishing that cybersecurity and infrastructure agency, which then, you know, instead of doing things related to hardening of our cybersecurity, which I don't think anyone feels is hardened, they're weighing in with guys like Chris Krebs on the election. And they're saying, oh, my gosh, mail-in ballots are the greatest thing ever. And that's what happens when you don't have a clear mission priority. I mean, right now the mission is abundantly clear to anyone with the pulse. We have a border that's completely been overrun. Uh, it's been allowed by the political operatives at the top of the operation. And every single, you know, priority of DHS should be focused on securing that border. Well, you certainly would think that and then uh, worrying about other uh, breaches to our uh, our uh, homeland security. Um, you have a, a list of, uh, of priorities that you would bring to the GP, uh, GOP majority with regard to uh, our our sovereign border. Why don't you run through a couple of those real quick and explain if you were if you were talking to, you know, Kevin McCarthy or whatever, they're going to going to be speaking. About, what would you say that the Republicans need to guarantee the American people with regard to our border security? Right, absolutely. And these are conversations we have all day, every every day with members on Capitol Hill and, you know, throughout the, the country. So a couple things. One, you got to impeach Mayorkas. That's got to be a non yes. first starter right out of the gate. <laughs> yes. And, uh, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, my gosh, it's too political. We don't want to go down impeachment. The media is going to kill us. Well, guess what? The media is going to kill you anyways. Yep. And I think if anything's impeachable, it's purposely opening up the border to millions of people, many of whom are, you know, gotaways, rapists, pedophiles, terrorists, known and suspected terrorist gotaways. And so purposely doing that to this country is probably the most impeachable offense that I could, you know, come up with. It certainly beats some of the ones that tried impeaching Trump for. Would you venture to say that is uh, ver- bordering on, bordering on, uh, treason? Uh, or, or, I think. Or, or a, high, a high crime and misdemeanor? I'll put it to you this way, uh, because we haven't gone that far to use the T word, but I think you can tell by my uh, tone what I think. Uh, I don't think, uh, I think impeachment's the uh, least of the things he should be worried about, to be honest okay. with you. And frankly, there should be more severe punishment for oh, yes. the damage he's caused. He owes a lot of people, uh, you know, a lot. Right. He's really screwed up. Yeah, yeah. What else? What else do we need to uh, ask of our elected officials with regard to fixing this uh, Homeland Security situation? So... There's a reason why Biden's been able to weaponize the border, and that's because there are loopholes in the law that he's taken advantage of. They basically turned asylum into this new avenue for mass illegal migration, and then they you know, shut it off uh, detention so you catch and release. So there's that loophole. He's been able to get away with saying, just come to the border, say the magic word of asylum, and we'll let you go. We need to zip up that loophole and all the other ones like they've used to shut down ICE. And so we proposed along with every single former Trump senior immigration official and border official and every single conservative border group or liberal or nonpartisan group that's out there that's for screwing the border, you know, a list of about 10 ways they can do that via legislation. And there is no reason that that bill cannot be introduced on the first day of this Congress. Now, the problem that we're running into right now is there's a lot of people on Capitol Hill who have much different ideas as to how to get it done. And I'm going to name some names here. You have uh, Representative Salazar from Florida, who her idea 
as a Republican, it's to give out the biggest amnesty in U.S. history, which has nothing to do with securing the border. In fact, it makes it worse. You have Dan Crenshaw, who wants to be the head of House Homeland Security. His idea is, no, 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 let's not do what you're saying, Mike. Let's build mega welcoming centers, processing centers, where all the illegals from around the world will go, and it'll be this nice, beautiful, you know, like modern shopping mall, and they'll get all their benefits, we'll stamp them in and ship them on their way throughout the country. No, that's just making illegal immigration legal. That makes no sense. No serious border security expert thinks that's a good idea. So the Republicans, you know, mostly they're united on this, but you have a lot of people out there that are so, you know, set in their own ways. And, you know, we talk about being a team player a lot these days. I'm not seeing team players and, you know, team sport coming out from those types of offices. All right, listen, Mike, we've got to run, man. I I really have enjoyed uh, introducing myself and having you on the show, and I'd like to have you on the show again sometime uh, when we can explore a little bit further. Where can people find you, sir, uh, and the work that you're doing with the Heritage Foundation Oversight Project? Uh, Where can we find you? Absolutely. So Heritage is at Heritage, and I'm at M. Howell Tweets. And I'll keep you up to date. We're suing the pants off the Biden administration, man. We got investigations left and right. All right. Let's have you on. Let's have you on next week or the week after to talk about your lawsuits because I think this is really big. Uh, Godspeed, God bless, and Happy New Year, sir. And we'll have you on again soon, okay? You too, brother. All right. Take care. Uh, This is the Rob Carson Show. Time to put critical race theory in critical condition. It's the Rob Carson Show. Leftist Democrats are very uh, selective with their outrage, um, and, and it's kind of funny because as things happen in real time, they use them to forward their agenda whenever there's a school shooting. Rather than stopping and saying, dear God in heaven, children have died, they immediately go for gun control. Uh, you know, and, and then, then they don't do things like when a truckload of illegals are found roasted to death in the desert. They don't go, hey, maybe you ought to do something about our uh, immigration policy. They never do that. You never do that. And, and the latest thing now is uh, we've got a young man who is in critical condition. He's beginning to uh, show signs of uh, major improvement, and that is a, a football player, DeMar Hamlin. And, uh, and uh, The View and others decide to use this while he's still in his hospital bed to go after football. Because um, there's a thing that I like to call toxic femininity. And, uh, you know, and it's the kind of things that have feminized uh, the culture. Nothing against femininity. I think it's fine. I love it, actually. I'm married to it. She can also kick some major ass, too, by the way. My wife. She's very feminine, but dang, would not want to mess with her. Uh, so the toxic uh, femininity is the thing that tells uh, young men that they are uh, aggressive and they are all potential sexual predators. And, uh, you know, if you if you want to uh, focus on a couple things at once or go out and play, it means you have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. And we need to put you on meds to tamp down your maleness. And so uh, here is uh, the view yesterday. Joy Reid. No, no, Joy Behar. I get my joys uh, mixed up here, and neither of them have anything to do with joy. They're miserable, wretched people. Here's a Joy Behar saying that uh, the reason why football exists is because of conservatives and heterosexual men supporting football. And I, but I don't think it's going to turn people away from the sport because, I mean, no. I went to Notre Dame. It's like faith, family, football. It's yeah. a, it's a That's Sonny Hostin. Big deal, and it's a $105 billion industry. Yeah. So, Only 45% of Americans think that tack- tackle football is appropriate. Wow. Uh, heterosexual men voted the most support for kids uh, doing football. Mm-hmm. And conservatives were more likely to support youth tackle football. Just saying. Yeah, okay, so yeah, football um, is all men and heterosexuals. 
You better tell my wife because she's the one who said that if we're going to see your family this weekend, we're watching the Chiefs game at 3 o'clock. All right? So, you know, know, honestly, shut up. Shut up, you awful, awful woman. You know, we love football. And and, and we have humans always looked at... Uh, for just some uh, more barbaric approach would be the gladiatorial combat uh, versus uh, competition. And sometimes that involves physical contact and possibly even injury. That's just the way of the freaking world. They make it safer. You know, they, they've focused a lot on, uh, on some of the head injuries and whatnot. Some of that has been overblown, by the way. Some of it is an attack on masculinity, attack on anything that is uh, masculine. And, uh, and that's the case. This is, this is Joy Reid, another insufferable, insufferable person talking about how um, football is very gladiatorial, which, uh, no kidding. Is the level of concern that the NFL in general has for the bodies of these players, it's a violent sport. It's a brutal sport in a lot of ways. Yes, those uh, fighting, uh, MMA boxing, uh, even water polo at times. Uh, yeah, they all could get pretty violent. Um, what do you make of the fact that it took a long time um, for that game to be called or for that game to be stopped. Um, what do you make of all of this? Yeah, she said basically it is uh, gladiatorial, uh, to which I would say, well, yeah, 100%. That's what it is. It's gladiators. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly we've evolved and we made it safer. But I will tell you that every one of the people on that field love what they do, look at the risk and go, I want to do it. And and I, I'm not willing to, uh, you know, uh, get rid of my Sunday afternoons to watch, uh, you know, pillow fighting on, uh, on, on uh, you know, ESPN. Although, you know, I mean, there might be some, like, NFL cheerleaders pillow fighting. I'd watch that all day. But here they go, using it again to, uh, you know, capitalize on uh, a gentleman who uh, just deserves prayers and no discussion about this nonsense. Let's take a break and come back and wrap things up. It's the Rob Carson Show. Hey, guys, it's Carson. Have a great weekend with your families and make sure to watch my TV show on Newsmax. It's called Rob Carson's What in the World? It is a satirical look at the news, and Lord knows we could use a laugh. NewsmaxTV.com for details, and I'll see you Monday, noon to 3 on WCBM. 